we're pulled every day to go wrong. We're tempted to go wrong. But we have a promise from the Bible. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I told you to turn there, but I have it up here, and it says this. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, I want you to think about the verse for a second. He says this. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. When you get tempted by something, you can't say, I'm the only one that's ever been tempted this way. Because he's saying that temptation is common. It's common to all of us that the temptation that's coming in our lives has happened to to all people. But then he says, and God is faithful. Faithful what? And he goes on to explain. He's faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. In other words, we can't really say, I couldn't help it. Because he's saying, well, no, no, no. I'm not going to ever allow you to be tempted or allow a temptation to come in your life that's beyond what you'll be able. But with this temptation provides a way of escape. We're going to see later on that when Joseph was tempted by Pharaoh, by Potiphar's wife, what was, what was the escape? He ran out. He just ran away. Sometimes... Uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lust. The idea is sometimes the best thing to do is just run, get away. So he says, he, with the temptation, will provide the way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. The idea is that when temptation comes, we don't have to fall. God will, not, uh, God will give us a way of escape. Now, if this is true, and it is, why do we still fail? If it's true that God says, listen, whatever temptation comes in your life, you don't actually have to fall. You don't have to fall because even whatever temptation comes in your life, it's happened to other people, and the temptation will not be beyond what you can be able to bear, but I will provide a way escape. And that's true, right? Is that true? Right. Well, then why do we still fail? Because we don't always take the way out. We don't always want not to fall to the temptation. I mean, when you think about it, we're fallen people, Right? Well, this morning, we're going to continue to see what is the issue? What's going on in our lives? Where's all this stuff coming from? Because we already know in James chapter 1 that temptation doesn't come from God in the sense that God tempts you to sin. He never does that. And so we're going to see this. So we began with some questions, and we did this. What is temptation? It's what? It's the pull to do wrong. And that's what it is. Temptation starts within us, but it's affected from outside, those kind of things. The second question that we always looked at is, is temptation sin? I mean, to be tempted to do something wrong. Let's say that somebody asks you something, and you're tempted to lie. And in your mind, you think, I'm going to say this, which is not the truth. Uh, is temptation, you're tempted, is that sin? No, it's not. It's not. In fact, no, but, but how we respond to temptation may result in victory or failure or sin, whatever. So when we see this, realize temptation is the pull to do wrong and self is not sin, but it can result in sin. So that took us to the third big question, and that is where does temptation come from? And it's kind of a complex thing, but what we saw, and this is what we've already talked about, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail yet. We'll come back on this. We saw that it's not from God, but it's actually from our inside. In James chapter 1, he says, let no man say that when he's tempted, that God's tempted them to do wrong because that doesn't come from God. But he says, but it actually happens from our inside when our flesh is tempted and then goes with it and and sins, and then sin results in death. And that's what we'll talk about. 
and, and we're going to see this. So when we think about where it comes from, there's really three big areas, the devil, the world system, and the flesh. Now, this, this ought to be interesting or uh, thought-provoking for every one of us, because this is something you can deal with every day. This is not some theoret, you know, somebody, this is not somebody saying, oh, this is just theology. No, well, actually, theology is the words of God, and so everything is important, so theology is really important. But sometimes people think about, well, that's just uh, something. No, this is something that we need right now for every one of us. Where does this stuff come from? It comes from the devil, who's a real angel, and he's the adversary. It comes from a world system, which we live in, which is a fallen system. It comes from our flesh, which is inside of us, the pull to do wrong. And that, that's what we see. And the devil is an angel who, 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 who controls the world system, and the world system affects our flesh. Now, last time, we got actually in and talked about the devil, and we said that the devil is an angel. The devil was, was a powerful angel at the throne of God, and he rebelled in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Those are two passages from the Old Testament where you can see where the devil fell. And he's, God has allowed the devil to be in this fallen world. We'll talk more about it in just a second. But he is an angel, and he seeks to influence us. And what we said was this. We said he has a plan, and it's to stop a person from believing or stop a believer from serving. We talked about this. A lot of people think the devil wants everybody to be uh, drunkard, drugs, in trouble, running from the law. I mean, no, no, he would rather have a person be religious. If a person thinks that by getting baptized and going to church that they're saved, he's fine with that. Because religion is man trying to do something to get to God, and religion's from the devil. So if a person said, I've gone to church all my life, I got baptized when I was 12, uh, I've tried to do the right things, he's saying, that's fine, just keep right on going. Because you don't think you need a Savior. You think you're already saved because of your good works. And we know it's not good works, it's faith alone and Christ alone. The second thing that he does is he tries to stop believers from serving. All of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior, he doesn't want you to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have. He does not want you to serve. He doesn't want you to impact lives for Christ. He doesn't want you to touch lives. He doesn't want you to make a difference in this world. He actually wants you to do nothing. He wants you to just be consumed with yourself and that when you wake up in the day, you say, what's in it for me? What's best for me? How can I please myself? And that's what most people do. That's how they go through life. And he says, he, that's fine with him. He says, listen, as long as you're not serving, as long as you're not impacting people for Christ, let me tell you, when you stand for Christ, when you hold to the grace message of salvation, when you believe the Bible as the word of God, when you stand to live for Christ, you, you, you're really his enemy. Now, we're all his enemy. Because our enemy is not, we're not wrestling flesh and blood. We're wrestling angels, demons. It's a, it's a spiritual battle. But let me tell you, if you're going with the flow of the world, he will leave you alone because you, you already messed up. He doesn't care. But if you decide as a believer that you're going to make a difference and you're going to stand for Christ, you're going to have trouble because it's a fallen world. And you've got an enemy, and, and he's against you. So that's what we see. Now, from there, we, we want to talk about the world and the flesh. That was the devil, the world and the flesh. So the next thing, let's talk about the world. And this is, the, this is where we live. We live in this every day. We live in a fallen world that is marked because of the fall of man. If you go back, and we'll talk about this sometime, maybe in here, but if you've ever had my 2-2 class, we talk about the fall, and we go back to Adam and Eve. We're going to mention a little bit of this, but what we don't always emphasize is the world has fallen. The entire, as Romans chapter 8 says, the entire creation groans 
awaiting the redemption by Jesus Christ. We're not talking about just people awaiting. We're talking about the fall. This whole world system is waiting for Jesus Christ to come and clean it up. When the man was in the garden and everything was fine, and God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they eat from that tree, die, and you shall surely die, they ate from that tree, well, the whole world fell. It wasn't just man who fell, but the world fell. And God said, from now on, guess what? You'll have to earn your living by what? The sweat of your brow. Thorns and thistles will grow up. The world is cursed in a sense. It's a fallen world. And let me just tell you, the world's beautiful, right? We look at we say, look at that sunset. Look, look at that sunrise. Look at those trees. Look how unique those flowers are. Look at that weird-looking animal. How beautiful. How did God put all this together? You look at the fish and the sea, and you go, my gracious, look at those colors. And, all, and, and just think how beautiful this world is, and it's fallen. What do you think it's going to look like when he corrects it? What do you think it's going to be when he corrects it? Well, you've got this lion looking for this lamb. Nowadays, one of these days they're going to lay down together. One of these days, it says, it says in Isaiah that a child can play at the, at, with an asp. An asp is this snake that comes up out of the ground, and it says the child can play with that because it won't be again. It, it, God's going to correct it all. So we live in a world that has fallen. The entire creation is groaning. And it's almost like the world is saying, please fix us. Please fix us. And it's because of the fall. And so we have the devil who despises you. And the more you live for Christ, the more he despises you. But just remember, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You don't have to worry. The controller of this world system is the devil. In John 12, 31, he is called the ruler of this world. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he's called the God of this age. An age is an idea of a time period. There is this time period that the world has fallen until Jesus Christ comes and corrects it all. We're living in that time period, and he's the God of this age. And then in 1 John 5, 19, it says the ordered system, by the way, the Greek word for world is cosmos. We get cosmetology, which means an ordered system. And the world is an ordered system. And this fallen ordered system, it says in 1 John 5, 19, this ordered system lies in the power of the wicked one. So when you think about the devil, you think about the devil actually controls a fallen world system. Now, we say, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right because I thought God's in charge of everything. He is. He oversees everything. God has allowed Satan to control this world. He's the God of this age. We, I think we mentioned it last week, but do you remember when Satan tempted Jesus and on one of the temptations, he, he actually takes him up to a high place, shows him the kingdoms of the world and says to Jesus, if you will worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Jesus didn't say, you don't have the kingdoms of the world. Jesus said, no, no, I only worship the Lord our God. The kingdoms of this world actually are controlled under the control of this evil one. We're going to see in Daniel, in chapter 10 and 11, that there are angels that, that deal with nations and world powers. And we're going to see an angel said to Daniel, I tried to get here when you started praying, but for 21 days I've been locked in a battle with an angel who's controlling, and he talks about an empire. There is a spiritual battle going on in this world. 
Tell me about North Korea. Tell me about Russia. Tell me about what's going on in this world. There is a, there is a whole concept of a fallenness that's dealing with this world system because there is a satanic influence and a demonic influence throughout our world. So we live in a world system controlled by Satan. This system, we're going to see it. I don't know if we'll get to it today or not. I'm just looking at the clock. Uh, this system affects us. This system says there's not any absolutes. Isn't that amazing? I always, when a guy comes to me and says there's no absolutes, I said, you just made an absolute statement. Right? You said there are no absolutes, then are you absolutely sure about that? Think about that. That's why when the atheist says there's no God, you want to say, so you're God. And they go, no, how can you say that? I say, well, if you're an atheist, you say there is no God. The only way you can know there's no God is that you have to be God because you have to be it everywhere because God could be somewhere hiding from you. So the only way you can say there is no God is you have to be God. And then most people say, well, I'm not God. I say, well, then maybe you're agnostic, which means you don't know if there's a God. That's different than an atheist. Atheist is self-defeating. So... This whole idea of this culture and this world that says there's no absolutes, and that's an absolute statement. So I said, well, then you're not right because you said there's no absolutes, and you just made an absolute statement, so you're not right. Right? We live in a world that's man-centered, not God-centered, and it's not neutral. The world is not neutral. We don't live in just a, a, a world that's neutral. We live in a world that has fallen and that sin is attractive and righteousness is silly. Righteousness is silly. You remember uh, Billy Graham had, Billy Graham just passed away. Billy Graham had a rule. His rule was he would never be alone with a woman unless his wife was with him. That was his rule. And nobody made fun of that. And then Pence made they had the same rule and they made fun of him. Right? So righteousness, which says, I, I don't want to put myself in any kind of situation or compromise or anything or anything. But, oh, that, you're, you're an idiot by saying that. Because we live in a world that righteousness looks silly. Our culture says you can't pray at school, but you can give out condoms. Our culture says you can have sex with anybody you want to. There's no commitment. Our culture says, well, you could get diseases from different sex, but just try to have safe sex. Our culture says nice guys finish last. Our culture says you have to look out for yourself because nobody else is going to look out for you. Our, our culture says success is defined by what you have and who you know and what you do. You have a big house, you have money, you're famous, you're important, then you're successful. And if you don't have those things, you're not successful. That's our culture. That's our world. The culture constantly pulls us to go contrary to the Bible. Constantly pulls you to go contrary to the Bible. The truths and principles from the Bible are directly opposite to the pulls of the world. If you go anywhere and say there is only one way to have eternal life, and that is Jesus Christ, you will be laughed at. Because there's a pluralism in our world that says there are many, if there, if there is a God, there are many ways to God. God would not be so foolish to only make one way. So Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam, and they're all just different paths to God. But that's not what Jesus said. What did he say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And it's so funny that if all these ways are right, which they can't be, but if they would be, then why do we have it the easiest? 
Because ours is just by grace through faith. God did it all, and he says, I give you eternal life. All these others have some kind of work system that people have to do. Doesn't seem fair to me. He just said, believe in me, I give you eternal life. What a world. What a world that we live in. Most of you are sick of this world, are you not? Yeah, yeah, we're all saying, I wish Jesus heard him come back. Unless you're young, and then you say, oh, I wish he'd come back later. But anyway, the, the, there's the constant pull to go contrary to the Bible. Um, here's what I tell people, and this, this is a truth. If we're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, we will unconsciously be conformed to the world. Now, I want you to think about that. Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy except to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Then he goes on to say, and do not be, literally, stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Verse 2, Romans 12, 2 says, stop being conformed to the world, but be transformed by the word of God. Now, here's the truth. If you're not consciously, on purpose, saying, I want the word of God to transform me, to change my thinking, to help me live according to scripture, if you're not consciously doing that, unconsciously, you'll be shaped by this fallen world system. And I see it all the time. I see it sometimes in my life. I see it a lot of times in people who just say, well, I never thought about it that way. I just do this, or I just do this. Well, I think that's real funny. Some of us are older, and you watch some of these TV shows today, and they're supposed to be funny. They're really trashy. I mean, uh, I Love Lucy was funny, right? But uh, I can't remember the name of the show. Something about some scientist guy, whatever. Anyway, uh, it's not funny to me at all. Mom? It's not funny, is it? Is it trashy? It's sick. I see, but today, so many people, even Christians, say, that's funny. I say, no. Lucille Ball was funny. Carol Burnett was funny. Red Skelton was funny. But this person who says a bad word every time they talk, that's not funny. But you think it is because this is the world you live in. We've been unconsciously conformed to this world system. That's the problem. And so, if you're not consciously being transformed, I know time is up, so I'm going to stop. We got, we, we got, it's a good stopping place because we're now, if you notice on your handout, we're going to look at the third area, and that's the flesh. And so we've seen the devil who controls uh, the world, and then the devil who controls the world and the world, which then affects, and there it is, the flesh. Now, that's the part of us. Now, I want you to think about what I just said. The devil controls the world system, and the world system affects us. We must consciously determine that we're going to study, read, know, apply, get with the good people, think the right things, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, think on these things. We're going to get with people that are going to build us up and grow us and help us make an impact for Christ. We're going to use the gifts, talents. We're going to do that in a fallen world so that we will not unconsciously be shaped to this world. I'll probably start next week with that statement right there, this statement right there, so that we can think about it as we think about the flesh.